you're listening to Time in the Word. Paul wrote in Titus 2.13, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In part two of Dr. Gonzalez's study of the doctrine of the rapture of the church, he will present the various positions regarding the time of the rapture. He will then begin making the biblical case for the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. Those who hold to this position believe that the rapture of the church will occur prior to the start of the tribulation period. Dr. Gonzalez explains that the first phase of his return is imminent, that no prophecy must be fulfilled for the rapture to take place, and that it will occur without any prior signs or warnings. The rapture of the church will bring the church age to an end, allowing God to continue and finish His program for Israel. As God ministers to you through these series of studies, and as you experience God's love and grace in your own life, share these podcasts with others, so that they too may be blessed by God's Word and His amazing grace. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. We will continue our study in Bible prophecy. We have titled this series, The Bible in Tomorrow's Headlines. We are considering uh, what it is that the Bible teaches us about the future. And uh, if you were with us last week, we began our study in uh, the doctrine of the rapture, and we will continue that study. This is part two of that study uh, today. Let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. May you speak to us loudly and clearly. May you help us uh, gain insight of what your Bible tells us about what will happen to the future and how to apply that to our daily lives so that we may live lives that bring you honor and glory. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, you know that we began our uh, study in uh, the doctrine of the rapture. We will continue that study today. Last week we talked about the actual event and we talked about the results of the rapture and uh, when uh, in speaking about the results we said that uh, three particular things uh, were pointed out the fact that Christ uh, promised uh, coming back for the church and that promise was fulfilled in the rapture and that uh, at the rapture we find the completion of our salvation taking place and that at the rapture all believers are united those who have died um, as Christians during the church age. Today we will start looking at the time of this event. When will the rapture take place in relation to the seven-year tribulation period? Now, uh, if you have been a student of prophecy, you're aware that there is a um, debate going on among Christians as to when this event takes place in relation to the tribulation period. Uh, We know that the Bible teaches us that there's going to be a time of of, uh, uh, severe um, events taking place in in the future. The Great Tribulation is the way we refer to that period of time. Uh, But there is a difference of opinion among Christians as to whether the church will be at all present during any period of that time or will endure that time uh, altogether all the way through the end of the tribulation period. Those who hold that the church will be here uh, and be actually raptured uh, midpoint during the tribulation, uh, in essence these individuals believe in, and they call it the uh, mid-tribulation view, They hold that the church will be here during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period and that midpoint during the tribulation, the church then will be raptured and and be caught up and and, uh, meet Christ in the air. There are those who hold to the post 
uh, tribulation rapture. They actually believe that uh, the church will be uh, here on earth during the entire seven-year tribulation period. And therein there are those, and this is my position, uh, who hold to the pre-tribulation uh, rapture. In other words, I believe that Scripture clearly teaches that the church will not go through any part of the tribulation period. The rapture will occur prior to the beginning of the tribulation period. And I, be I hold that position because I believe that that is uh, what the Bible clearly teaches. I believe there's enough evidence in Scripture to support that position. Uh, what we're going to do in this lesson, and most likely carry on to a second lesson in terms of the time of the rapture, we will present eight particular reasons why it is that we believe that the Bible teaches that the rapture will take place prior to the beginning of the tribulation period. We'll be looking at a number of passages, so I will be reading a few verses from the Scripture, but we want to make sure that we're biblical and that we're looking at what Scripture says in order to present the evidence in the way we should uh, from a scriptural point of view. The first reason why uh, we believe that the rapture will occur prior to the beginning of the tribulation is because Christ promised to deliver us. If you have your Bibles with you and you turn to Revelation chapter 3 and look at verse 10, this is what uh, we find said there. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now, it is true that these words were part of the letter that were written to the Church of Philadelphia. But we can safely conclude that it refers to the universal church for the following reasons. First of all, the, the verse speaks of a future event. Secondly, the church of Philadelphia was destroyed and disbanded before this event of which is spoken of ever took place. So it's obvious that the events of which we are promised to be delivered from are not events that were going to occur literally to the church of Philadelphia since the church was destroyed and disbanded prior to this event taking place. Thirdly, it was a letter to the universal church. That letter, though delivered and written to the church of Philadelphia, has much that makes reference to the universal church. It applies to the universal church. Fourthly, the hour of trial of which the Lord spoke in this verse was a trial, and if you remember, you read it in verse 10, was a trial that was to come upon the whole world not just the Church of Philadelphia. This was going to be a trial that would encompass the whole world. And fifthly, the word from really means out of. So in essence, what the Lord is saying is that the church, Christians, will be kept out of the trial that is about to come to the whole world. So according to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10, we are promised that we would be delivered from the hour of trial that is about to come to the whole world. Second reason why we believe that the tribulation will that the rapture will occur prior to the beginning of the tribulation is Christ's imminent 
return. Listen, imminent means at any moment. And we said this last week when we started looking at the doctrine of the rapture. We said that the rapture could occur at any given moment. And we also talked about the fact that the, ra the, that the second coming of Christ occurs in two stages. The first is the rapture. The second is his actual literal physical return to planet Earth. Now we're talking of the when we talk about the imminent return of Christ, we're talking about the rapture. And there's nothing that needs to occur between now and the rapture for the rapture to occur. In other words, it could happen at any moment. The return of Christ uh, from heaven in the earth, uh, uh, in the air to summon his church to himself can occur at any moment. The, the, imminent, the doctrine of imminent return supports the view that the, that the rapture will occur prior to the beginning of the tribulation. Reynold Showers, uh, in, in, in uh, uh, speaking about the imminent return of Christ, said this, an imminent event is one that is always hanging overhead, is constantly ready to befall or overtake a person is always close at hand in the sense that it could happen at any moment. Other things may happen before the imminent event, but nothing else must take place before it happens. If something else must take place before an event can happen, that event is not imminent. The necessity of something else taking place first destroys the concept of imminence. If you study the New Testament, and we're not going to look at an exhaustive list of passages, but we're going to look at a number of passages. The doctrine of the imminent return of Christ is clearly taught. Let's look at a number of scriptures that support uh, the doctrine of His imminent return. First of all, in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, listen to what James said. Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge, listen, is standing at the door. James clearly believed in the imminent return of Christ, and he clearly expects us to agree with him since the Word of God clearly teaches uh, in this epistle the imminent return. Another one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to what Paul said. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await or eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. Paul was clearly indicated that the Corinthian church was ready at any moment for the, uh, for the coming of Christ for his church. Again, uh, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And finally, the last passage, not the last passage that speaks of the imminent return, but the last passage I'm going to look at is found in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, where he says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God, 
and Savior Jesus Christ. Clearly, these passages and many, many more passages in the Bible clearly teach the doctrine of the imminent return of Christ. Nothing must occur uh, before Christ returns for His church. He could come at any moment uh, uh, for the church. And if you remember several weeks back when we were looking at the signs of the times, the signs of Matthew 24 were given uh, uh, to Israel concerning the second coming of Christ where he literally descends and touches physically with his feet planet earth. These were not given to the church to anticipate the rapture. The rapture again could occur at any given moment. Uh, another reason, the third reason why we believe that the rapture will occur prior to the beginning of the tribulation period is because of the church's exemption from the wrath to come. Listen to this verse uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm looking at verse 10, and I'm going to read this from the King James Version. It says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, listen, which delivered us from the wrath to come, which delivered us from the wrath to come. The wrath that Paul is making reference to here is the great tribulation of which Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24 verse 29. Listen, we are promised that we as a church will be exempt from the time of the great tribulation because the Word of God clearly indicates that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. Listen, the tribulation period is a period of judgment. It's a time when God pours out His wrath on planet earth. And in fact, we're going to look at the purposes of the tribulation, and that's another reason why we believe that it will occur uh, before the, 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 the beginning of the tribulation. Another passage that speaks of our exemption from the coming wrath is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, where the Word of God says this, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. The, the, the term not appointed us to wrath simply means that Christians will be spared from the tribulation period. Another verse, and we looked at this verse previously, is Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Since you kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Listen, these verses clearly teach us that the church is guaranteed protection. If you study those passages carefully, you will notice, listen, you will notice that the Bible is telling us not that, the, not that God will preserve us during the time of tribulation, but that God will remove us or keep us from 
the time of tribulation. Listen, it is not consistent with, to believe that the church is going to go through any part of the tribulation or through the whole tribulation is inconsistent with what the Bible teaches about the relationship w between Christ and the church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 clearly teaches us that the church is the bride of Christ. We as the church, we are the object of Christ's love. It would be a contradiction to the very relationship between Christ and the church to say that the church will have to endure the suffering and punishment of the tribulation period. It is absolutely inconsistent. The fourth reason why we believe that the tribulation or that the rapture will occur before the tribulation begins is because of the very purposes of the tribulation. Uh, let me read you a couple, let me read you one passage here. For example, in um, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Let me read you this passage. Uh, there are more passages that could be read, but we will be running out of time, so I just want to spend time looking at at, at uh, a couple of them. In Malachi chapter 4 in verses 5 and 6 listen to what the Word of God says. Uh, Remember the law of my servant Moses the decrees and laws I gave him at uh, Horeb for all Israel. See I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful uh, day of the Lord uh, of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Another passage that you can look at is found in Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 18 through 32. Listen, the there's two primary reasons why the tribulation period uh, uh, takes place. First of all, it is a time in which God prepares Israel to receive her king and his kingdom. It is referred to in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 as the time of Jacob's trouble. Listen, during the tribulation period God will discipline disobedient Israel and will prepare them for the coming of her king and for the, uh, the coming kingdom. Listen, if you look at Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to, uh, through, uh, through 27 this passage is perhaps the best passage that best explains in detail the primary purpose for the tribulation and that is uh, God going back to dealing with the nation of Israel since the church has been raptured God going back to dealing with the nation of Israel and disciplining uh, the nation of Israel for having rejected the Messiah and preparing them for, for, for the coming king and the second reason for which uh, the tribulation is going to take place is in order for God to judge uh, uh, the living uh, people on planet earth, to judge those who have rejected Jesus Christ, His Son. God will bring judgment on both nations and people uh, for their unbelief and their sin. Listen. Neither of these reasons, God preparing His people for the coming Messiah and for the acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their King, 
and God judging the nations and the people for their unbelief and sin. Neither one of those purposes pertain to the church. The church will not take part in the tribulation period simply because she doesn't fit the purposes of God for the tribulation period. The fifth one we're going to look at Actually, let me stop right here because, because I want to be able to spend a little bit of time on, on this fifth reason. So far, we've been able to establish by looking at four of the eight that the, tribula- that the rapture will take place prior to the beginning of the tribulation period. The doctrine of the rapture as Paul sees it, is a doctrine that ought to bring believers great hope because it is the doctrine that clearly teaches that the promises of God will be fulfilled in spite of the fact that they occur outside of the timetable that we would like to operate under. And things must happen just as the Word of God says they would happen. One of the trends of modern Christianity, of pop Christianity, is that we no longer hold to the conservative orthodox doctrines that the Bible teach and that the church has historically uh, taught. It is our responsibility, and this is the problem in, in the study of prophecy, and that's why there are a number of different views regarding future prophecy. Many don't even interpret Scripture anymore the way it ought to be interpreted. We believe the Bible should be interpreted literally. That we should take into consideration the grammar, the historical context, and that it should be read as any other piece of literature and interpreted that way unless the Scripture itself tells us that we should interpret it differently or take it as an allegory or spiritualize it. But listen, If we believe that the Bible is the inspired and inerrant Word of God, this is what the Bible teaches, that this book does not contain the Word of God, this book is the Word of God, and every single word in it is inspired. If we believe that the Word of God is the inspired and inerrant Word, then we must believe and take comfort in the fact that it makes so many prophecies that we know will be fulfilled literally. And Paul said that in, 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 in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Comfort yourselves. Comfort yourselves with these words. And he was referring to the, to the rapture of the church. Listen. What a great doctrine. And what a great thing to know that one day At any given moment, the church, you, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, will be caught up to meet with your Lord, your Savior, your King, your God in the air. You will be experiencing the very presence and glory of Christ. And at that moment, you will experience the fulfillment of one of His promises when He said that He would return, that your salvation will be completed and you will be united to the rest of of believers who were uh, saved during the church age. What great comfort we can draw from that. And that we will be exempt, not take part of, in any way, shape, or form of the great tribulation. Next week, we will continue this lesson. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that uh, you would speak to us loudly 
and clearly. We pray that you would show us how to apply these scriptures uh, to our lives. May we learn how to allow the Spirit to interpret scripture. May He minister to us. May we not impose our bias or our, or our personal views or opinions upon what the scripture says, but may we allow the scripture to say what you meant it to say. May we accept it as truth and may we be found faithfully propagating and proclaiming and preaching that very word. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that we have hope for the future. We thank you for the reality that one day at any moment we will be caught up to meet with you in the air and we will experience your glory and your presence and that we will be in complete and utter awe of the immensity and magnitude and beauty of who you are forevermore. We certainly look forward, Lord, to being caught up and present with you forevermore. Thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.